Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, September 29, 2022. I am Graham Gieson Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Thankfully, a bit of a quiet week compared to last week. Uh, we had a very good Raw on Monday this week, but compared to Grand Slam last week and the newsworthy show that that was and Rampage was on Friday, not a lot happening this week, which is fine by me. Next week is going to be wild. We'll go over this later with Mr. Marceau, but the anniversary edition of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, SmackDown headlined by Gunther and Sheamus 2 for the Intercontinental Championship on Friday for on SmackDown, which I may be at. Extreme Rules on Saturday in Philly, uh, which is looking to be a great show on paper, WWE's next big pay-per-view. And then Raw on Monday, which isn't next week, it's the week after, but um, that's going to be in Brooklyn. In the big season premiere of Raw, the Bloodline will be there, the 25-year anniversary of DX and whatever. So uh, there's a lot going on in the next couple of weeks and a lot going on with me personally as well. So looking forward to all that, all good stuff, which is going to be great. Before then, though, we got another exclusive interview here on the show today with WWE SmackDown superstar Drew McIntyre. Now, a lot like two weeks ago with Austin Theory and last week with Kofi Kingston, this was recorded at the August 27th Springfield Mass House Show that I attended. Uh, we did a whole feature for Bleacher Report looking at, you know, the live event experience and how they've helped the superstars and the superstar standpoints and stuff like that. It was a really, uh, it was a really fun piece to put together. That's available right now over on Bleacher Report from earlier this month, from the onset of September. Um, might be doing something similar with that soon, not house shows, but speaking to superstars about a certain topic, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, so I'm airing the interviews from that show. Like I said, Theory was two weeks ago, Kingston was last week, this week was Drew. So keep in mind, there's a lot of talk about Clash of the Castle. Clash was the following week. So we have a lot of discussion about Clash and how much that match means to him. But there's also a lot of talk about how the house show experience has helped him in the last 10 years, getting over his rise to superstardom, why WWE needs a world champion active right now, not named Roman Reigns, probably named Drew McIntyre. So a lot of great chat with Drew. I mean, this already went up on my YouTube channel about a month ago in video form, so check it out if you haven't already. Uh, but this is the audio version. It's a great 20-minute chat, and it was really cool to chat with Drew. So check it out next week. Very likely, I'll be putting on my interview with Riddle. That was the fourth and final interview from that show. And then we may be without interviews for a while. I'm just trying to get all the interviews that I did in the last month or two out here on the show. And then it'll be strictly conversation with myself and Mr. Marceau, which this show has as well. Um, after the Drew interview, stick around for my conversation with RJ talking all things Raw and Dynamite from this past week. And the latest White Rabbit teases, which you didn't really have a chance to get into last week. So we discuss all of that here today on WrestleRant Radio. New episodes of the show available every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, we're on Podcast or Podbean rather, Google Podcast, 
Amazon Music, Pandora. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Without further ado, enjoy my exclusive interview with WWE SmackDown superstar, the Scottish warrior himself, Drew McIntyre. Graham Jason Matthews here with BleachReport.com, live in Springfield for WWE's live event here. We're a week out from Clash of the Castle with the number one contender to the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, Mr. Drew McIntyre. Drew, what's going on, man? Ooh, lots is going on, including I can't believe it's seven days now to Clash of the Castle. That's from the wild. show that you manifested. Well, I mean, it's a team effort, but it is wild that I did talk about it for so long, and it's actually happening where I'd just be happy to be on the show, but to be main eventing against Roman, and the run he's on right now in the UK is just unbelievable, and it's exciting to be back here also, and I'm not feeling so fresh, I might have got beaten to death with some chairs last night, but <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, I'm excited to be here for everybody. Yeah, full disclosure, we're Roman here too. No, no, he's not, no, so he doesn't work in the majority of the hour shows. Yeah, no, that's right. We can expect you to work that at the live events, right, once you become champion next week? Heck yeah, the titles are going to be on the... Live events, they'll be on Raw, they'll be on SmackDown, they'll be on the media appearances, whatever Drew McIntyre is, which is everywhere, those titles will be with me, where they should be. Yeah, no, exactly, that's been your whole journey from the get-go, is getting those championships back and the possession of someone that's on the roster currently. Not that Roman wasn't when he won those championships two years ago, but quite a lot has changed since you, you know, became the number one contender, started your journey back to the titles. It all kind of feels like it starts with the, you know, the live events and building connections with the audience and stuff like that. And having been here for so long, on and off since... 2009, at least on the main roster. Talk a little bit about the connection with the audience and how it's generated and only gone up through these house shows and how people can kind of get to know you more through these events. Yeah, I mean, I love uh, our live events. Um, I think William Regal actually first told me um, when I was asking him, you know, how do you, you know, you get over? How do you get people to know who you are? And yeah. Get those reactions and build those connections with our WWE universe, with the fans. And he told me, grassroots through every show you do. You go out there and you give it 110% every single time. And then they'll remember. Then the next time you come around, you do the same thing again and just reps, reps, reps. Every time yeah. you come around, they'll remember you, they tell a friend. And that's how you really make that connection. And it's now for me, since that conversation, been almost 15 years of traveling around, yeah. you know, getting those reps in. And in the weekend shows, without the cameras there, we have an opportunity to try things out. You know, you don't want to try on TV for the first time in case they don't work. Mm-hmm. To see, like, you know, I've got this idea. Let's try it on the weekend shows to see... You know, if it works, if it doesn't, we have a laugh about it. The crowd have a laugh with us. And uh, they see us having fun, so they have fun, you know, with us. But we yeah. say afterwards, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's for the more established superstars, for our younger talent. You know, these shows are so essential to get the reps in, to learn their craft. Mm. Um, so eventually, you know, we can rely on them to perform in the big matches um, that require time. Yeah. Um, but for me, the biggest thing is just how fun these weekend shows are. You know, you lose those cameras. You're not playing to the millions of people at home. You're playing yep. to everybody in the crowd. And whatever they give us, we give it right back. And you can feel the difference of the intimate atmosphere as well. Like, these are my favorite shows to do, for sure. Yeah, no, it's cool, too, especially seeing how much they've evolved in the last 13 years. I went to my first house show, I think, in 2009. I was a, a freshman in high school at that point. And you were on some of those shows, so seeing you now in the position you are... Is crazy. Not to make you feel old. I mean, you're not that much older than I am, but it's uh, wild. Yeah, man. I mean, a lot more, you know, conversations I have and comments I hear where I'm like, man, I'm getting old. It's okay because Seamus is so much older. <laughs> you would never know it, though. Same with you. Uh, yeah, he's like Benjamin Button. He's aging back. We're going to work him and Lashley and Archer yes. and Rey Mysterio found the 
fountain of youth and they're yeah. swimming around and he'd tell me where's that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned truth. He was one of those guys that you came up working with when you first arrived on the main roster. And as a lot of people know, the people that we see you working with on TV, more often than not, you're kind of already working with and having 10 other matches with on these live events, on the weekends, during the weeks, whatever. Was it like the matches with Truth? I know Finley was someone else you worked with at that point. Were those the people instrumental in helping you kind of get, you know, adjusted and finding your footing on the main roster at that point? Yeah, those two in particular. Matt Hardy had put in there yeah. as well. Um, you know, Finley had the fun task of toning me down. You know, I was in Florida Championship Wrestling. It's where I developed my aggressive style. Uh, you know, Dr. Tom and uh, Steve Kern in particular saw that aggressive side of mm-hmm. me really amped it up to about a 12 where I was going out and you know, messing people up pretty bad in a way that you, you know, it's just not possible to, to go 52 weeks a year and hitting people as hard as I was hitting them. So, yeah. you know, it is a lot easier to dial somebody down than it is to dial them up. So Finley's job was find a middle ground yeah. uh, for myself. And uh, yeah, every night I was out there with him on these live events, learning and having fun. He would mess with me as well. You know, uh, he was my you know mentor and um, in the ring, he's just such a wizard. There were yeah. times where I was trying to learn how to pull my punches on a, a ground and pound where I wouldn't knock him out, and he could knock at Finley, knock anyone else but Finley out. <laughs> yeah. Where I'd be like hitting so hard, and I kept trying to pull it more and more and more, and I kept connecting every time, and I couldn't figure out why I kept hitting him. And I was like, I know, like tonight, my punch was like four inches away from his head. Yeah. And eventually, down the line, he revealed to me, like no matter how much I was pulling it, he was headbutting my hand. <laughs> so I could <laughs> yeah. never get. I was like, I'm sorry, I keep catching you. But it was him headbutting my hand. There were times where he put me in the ropes and get the referee in there, and I'd be like, turn him up, get him off referee. Yeah. Like, you. And I'd turn back, and the referee would have my leg, and Finley would be the other side of the ring just yeah. laughing. And was, <laughs> he's such a veteran, and that's like how he got me to relax in the ring. It's just kind of like, hey, kid, it's okay. We're, we can have fun out here. Stuff yeah. so tense all the time. And that's the fun of you know getting a veteran with one of our younger talents and teaching them. You, know, you don't have to be stressed out all the time. This isn't yeah. TV. This is where you learn to relax. And then on TV, you know it's really cool if you relax on TV. And you enjoy yourself, the fans feel you're relaxed. You're yeah. not so much got that deer in the headlights look, you're in the moment, you're present, you're at one with the crowd, and that's where that connection is formed. And these live events are essential to finding yourself on television. Going off what you just said, when did you feel like you learned that lesson as far as becoming more comfortable on TV? And I feel like the, you know, embracing the fan favoritism, whatever, in the last couple of years during COVID, and the weird thing with that was that there was no fans at that point. So it, it kind of felt like the Raw and SmackDown shows that you guys were on, at least for you, kind of felt like that you know, house show period or stuff where you would try out stuff on the house shows, you were doing it on TV. And all of it worked, like at WrestleMania when you were talking to the camera more and stuff like that. Did you kind of see those Thunderdome shows as kind of like, your, I mean, it was airing on live television on USA Network, but it kind of felt like a house show in a way where you got to try stuff out, whether it worked or didn't. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it um, because there's nothing like that has ever happened before. Yeah. So when I wrestled in the UK and nobody turned up to the show, so I just wrestled <laughs> in front of nobody. But yeah, well, it worked out well, so it's fine. Yeah, it was very bizarre, but I was champion at the time and I saw it as my responsibility to kind of lead by example at all rolls downhill and just to throw things against the wall and see what would stick. Yeah. And to have fun the best way I could, especially when people are sitting at home in a scary time for the world and you know, we're unsure what the future is going to be. So the training at WWE is like, hey, these guys are having fun. You know, there's an escape um, for everyone around the world. So if I was out there and I was talking down the camera and 
my wife dares me to say, hey, all you cool cats and kittens, because Tiger King was big at the time. Yeah, massive, yeah. People see the gif and go, what's going on in the wrestling? They tune in. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, our show, or hey, I start messing with the commentators, because that's the only people who were ringside at the time, or I yeah. shoot the cameraman around. Bailey did that a lot, too. So, yeah, so so many people at the time that really, you know, found themselves, found their characters, and just had fun. And like, yeah, you mentioned Bailey, like Sasha, and Sonya, who really uh, got comfortable in the mic. Yeah, and yeah. Time. Like, a lot of people... Know, really found themselves and that's what I kind of saw it as I was like hey we have a unique opportunity to add layers to our characters here we're almost like on a stage show it's completely silent out here and if you know your character <laughs> yeah. you can add layers and if you don't know maybe you can find your character because you're not going to have you know that nervousness of the crowd around you you're not going to feel the need to shout and start playing to the yeah, because yeah. they're not there so you have this opportunity to find yourself and find that character and I really got comfortable with myself at the time and the character isn't really a character it's just me yeah. that was a funny thing after getting told forever you know, the best character is an extension of your real personality, and it took me nearly 20 years to finally just go out and be Drew. <laughs> that was when it clicked for you at that point? Yeah, and it's weird. Like I went, I went out fired from WWE, and I had to go out and have my journey, yeah. and that's where I really discovered myself, got comfortable, and started really being the real Drew, and the independence and TNA, etc. Um, I came back to NXT, it was very similar, yet when I returned to Raw, and I was a bad guy again, I'd generally been a good guy outside the company, I started talking about feasting, feasting on carcasses and eviscerating <laughs> competition. Nobody talks like that. I was going to say, well, I don't know if it was you talking like that specifically, but no. you're making the most of it, though. But yeah, I mean, like, and then people reacted, and I was a viable um, you know, threat to guys like Roman with the yeah. good faces, the good guys of the time. So I'm a big, hairy, angry Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very aggressive, but, so, like, but no one can relate to that. They can just yeah, say that's yeah. a big threat. I mean, there's the one guy in Scotland who's big, hairy, and angry. Like, I get that guy. I get him. Somebody <laughs> yeah. needs to relate to it. And everybody yeah. <laughs> thought it really get over. And it's interesting. I never imagined I'd be a good guy in WWE, so, you know, big uh, foreigner. Yeah. And eventually I got the opportunity one time. Uh, I believe Paul Heyman uh, was in charge of Raw at the time, where um, you know, he knew what I was capable of. His prodigy, Gabe Sapolsky, Randy Volf, where I worked a yep. lot. So he knew the real Drew. And we needed a replacement for, I believe, a cage match with a fiend and a dark match. And he told me, go out there, buy time on the microphone. Nobody was doing because the right wow. people would be watching. Yeah, and I went yeah. out there. I was just the real Drew. And I started chatting, having a laugh, you know, messing with uh, some of the guys in the crowd, talking about their girls, looking at me and whatever. <laughs> yeah. You could see people turning around going, no, this is interesting. And yeah. the right people saw that and said, just let Drew keep doing that. So they'd give me short matches, but a little promo prior, and just, mm-hmm. say, just inject your personality in there. And I'd go out there, I'd have a laugh, I'd tell dad jokes, because that's the real Drew. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. It'll be funny, I'm not afraid to fall fat in my fi- flat in my face. <laughs> and everyone yeah. knows when the bell rings, I'm going to kick butt. And it started getting over, and I started doing the countdown thing, which I tried in Independence, and it worked on a small scale. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it up. I'll give it a bash, see if it works. And I didn't try on TV the first time, of course. I tried yeah. it on the live events. Yeah, I was going to say, when you guys got fans back was when we started to see it during the uh, Jinder Mahal feud, right? Going uh, it was more like the lead to Rumble. We still had the fans when that started. Oh, in 2020, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's when oh, I really started right. getting yeah, steamrolling yeah. towards WrestleMania. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. around January when I started getting those matches, showing the real Drew, and the, the reaction just started picking up. And it got yeah. to the point where people were like, like you're getting the loudest reaction oh, to yeah. these live events. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm like, it is crazy because I'm just being <laughs> myself. And, yeah. You know, we'll see where it goes. And we eventually come to Rumble where I was just hoping for something, like one interesting moment. I'd heard like rumblings, maybe there's something with Brock, and I was like, man, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Like I trained my time outside in Independence to be able to stand in front of Brock Lesnar and look like a legitimate threat. And like, yeah. I looked myself in the mirror one day and I said, if you stand in front of Brock Lesnar, 
I wouldn't believe you could fight him and beat him up. You got to try and get him the right size, and you could, Paul Heyman's the best on the mic. You got to yeah. be better on the mic. And I worked so hard outside the company. For well, a when, when was like this that. exactly? Like when you looked in the mirror and had that like revelation? It was probably my first year in the independence, like 14, oh, wow, 15, okay. where I looked at myself and said, "You're a big guy yeah. in the independence." Oh, okay. Brock Lesnar was the biggest draw and attraction in the world. If you stood in front of him, I don't believe you could beat him. Paul Heyman starts talking. You can't compete with him. You got to get better. Get those yeah, reps. Yeah, yeah. And, and by that point, I was feeling, you know, I knew who I was. And yeah. I felt like I could step in front of him, look legitimate. I felt like, well, Heyman on the mic, we'd have a good back and forth. So I was hoping for something with Brock in that rumble. And then the way it worked out, one of the best rumbles ever. Brock was <laughs> so dominant yeah. as champion, eliminated half the rumble. I came out and I could feel people rise up to their feet like Drew's going to do it. And I'd had that little run prior, but yeah. there was no real reason to expect Drew McIntyre to eliminate Brock Lesnar. Yeah. But I did. With That's what made it so special. Yeah, with a little ricochet assist, eliminated Brock. The reaction was unbelievable. We go right through the rumble. We get to the finish. Edge returns after nine years. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh no. Yeah. They're going to turn on you. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen this happen in the past. Yeah. And, well, it and, worked out perfectly, though, because he got thrown up by Randy or something. It's not like you threw him. Uh, you know? I believe it was Roman right before. Oh, Roman. Okay. Yeah. Roman. Um, or he threw out Randy. But nonetheless, like, we've seen people turn on the rumbles pretty yeah, good in the yeah, past. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. And especially Edge, it was never going to come back. The big dramatic return. It's yeah. insane reaction. I was lying in the corner just deliberately so I could listen to their That's reactions awesome. and he was coming I think I grabbed AJ's foot and put him in my own throat just so I could listen <laughs> and just That's appreciate so the moment yeah um, but yeah and then after he got eliminated Roman and I got to it gave him the claymore put him out and heard the same reaction as I got for eliminating Brock and yeah like felt oh my goodness the people are really you know behind me right now this yeah. is so cool and I think that's the first time I said like man the chosen one didn't work out like, being the corporate chosen one but it's yeah. pretty cool feeling like the people who's chosen one yeah. after all this work and you know the, the full momentum, circle yeah the momentum was just rolling and rolling to mania and then boom go with where it. did everyone go <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, so. and here we are now I mean it's funny because not a lot of people get to have that moment, you know, like, I, I feel like this is it, pull the trigger, become champion, whatever, and you've had multiple of those moments, specifically WrestleMania 36 when you became champion, you won it back on Raw, again, in front of no fans, and now you want to win it, not only in front of fans again, but you want to win it in front of your... First time nobody there, the second time we had the virtual people, and... Okay, there were fans my there, okay. My cat Chaz was in the middle screen, so... <laughs> Who was in the middle screen? My cat Chaz. Oh, your cat Chaz, really? Holding up my cat. Is that, like, is, is he, like... Can you see him if you watch it back or not? You can, yeah. If you really? watch back when I beat Randy, uh, you look at the screen <laughs> after the three K, you'll see my wife holding up my cat. That is so funny. My cat right in the middle of the screen. <laughs> did she have to do like the standard like application to get in, or did you know, obviously you know someone? Uh, like, how did I that mean, work? She knows somebody. So. Okay, I was gonna say you didn't have to go through the whole process of uh, whatever of, of getting into the Thunderdome. Yeah, it was a little harder because I wasn't quite the champ yet, but he yeah, yeah. the former champ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, again, like I said, so you have these multiple moments going into a show next Saturday, like Clash. How does the feeling you have right now, maybe not right, not like the day of Mania 36, because again, at that point, COVID already happened, and yep. you won the championship and whatever, but maybe coming out of the Rumble, you know, like, all right, I'm ready now. How does that feeling compare to the feeling you have right now going into this match next Saturday at Clash? Is it different? Is it the exact same feeling, like, I know I'm going to win this, I know I'm ready for it, or like, is it different because you're a couple of years older and more experienced? Yeah, it's different because I'm a couple of years older, more experienced, yeah. I have being champion and had the significant responsibility of being at the top of the card. Like yeah. Roman talks about the levels thing. It is a real thing. Like when you're at the upper echelon, like your life is 24-7 WWE and I've had that for a few years now where, you know, if I get a day off, that's a rarity. Generally, I'll spend it talking about WWE, but this is what I wanted to do. It's not yeah. a job. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about WWE. I feel so fortunate. But um, this time around, you know, I'm relaxed. I'm confident. I'm just blown away that there's something I dreamed of is actually happening. 
and it's so cool that it's happening with you know Roman outside the run he's on right now. He's always been my biggest foe. Yeah, my kryptonite. He's had a WrestleMania match a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, we've had so many significant matches, so many significant moments. Yeah. He's always come out on top, and it's interesting all the times we fought in the past, aside Survivor Series, the roles were reversed. Yeah, it took reversing the, the roles completely to find our true selves. And yeah, as far you know as I've come as Drew McIntyre, though he's hit this other level as a tribal chief and. The story, you know, leading up to now and avoiding each other the whole time I've been on SmackDown, essentially, except a couple of moments here and there. I don't think you've lost a single TV match. Have you, like, one-on-one? or No. Uh, not in the SmackDown time. And it's worked out perfect for the yeah. story of Roman trying exactly. to avoid this version of Drew McIntyre because he learned it's a Survivor Series 2020, how dangerous yep. I am. And it came to this moment. And, you know, the story now with, you know, I've let him know by yourself, you can be every man on earth except one. And now that he's taken one step back, um, you know, in his life and career, it's allowed me to take two steps forward. And yeah. that's why I'm the man that's going to take him down. Yeah, exactly. It works out perfectly. We're celebrating two years of him as champion next week. And it's funny, too, because you go back and you look at some of the matches he had with Brock a couple of years ago. Him complaining about Brock not being around all the time as champion. We're kind of in the same you know situation now with Roman. And he's obviously well-deserved. He's been around for a long time. Had this historic reign I, are you of the position where those sort of people, Roman, people coming in like Cena, who I know you've lobbied for a match with over the years, people like that, Brock, add to the product? Because I feel like among fans, there's like cynicism, oh, the whole part-timer label. But I'm personally someone that feels like it helps the product if it's they're done in a way, they're on the show in a way, used in a way, whatever, where in working with people such as yourself, it can really add a lot to the show. I mean, there's a lot to that, but just I want to get your general thoughts. Oh, 100%. Um, like, they, they're huge stars. It's as simple as that. They draw yeah. eyeballs. And uh, with the Roman thing, I would never like harp on him in a way where I say, "Oh, screw him!" Like it is part-time deal. For sure, he wasn't yeah. Forced in his lap, and you know he's a different place in his life, and I'm sure he regrets saying some of the things he said in the past, like where he's at now. And, and Cena said the same thing with The Rock. And yeah, yeah, but you say those things in the moment, and I would never say to anybody, "Oh my yeah. goodness, like how dare you do that." But I kind of have my feelings about how the title should be represented, and we need people like Roman on the show. He's our biggest star yep. by far. The numbers and everything he talks about, those are all real. But I do believe, like the titles should be, you know, featured in every event. I do believe uh, that Drew McIntyre is the man to do that. But I want whenever I want to hear Roman here as long as he possibly can be here. Yeah. I want Cena whenever he can be here. I want The Rock whenever he can be here. But that's guys that put their time in. Those are legitimate big names within our industry. I'm fine with even the celebrities coming in because yeah. they draw up, draw outside eyeballs, and that's what it's all about. And they deliver those too. outside eyeballs in. Yeah, exactly. Like a Bad Bunny, a Logan Paul, Mac, uh, Johnny Knoxville, yeah, Mac Phil, Obviously, he's one of the regulars now. He's awesome. Uh, but they all deliver, but they bring these outside eyeballs, and in turn, they see our other superstars, and they connect with somebody, then they keep watching the show, and that's what I'm all about. I'm all about big picture, and some people in the past are very narrow-minded, just yeah. thought about, you know, this is these people here and these fans are watching right now, and I'm like, yes, we have them, we want to give them the best product possible, but we have to think big picture, who's yeah. not watching? We need the eyeballs all turned yeah. in this direction to see all of our amazing superstars, and yeah. Yeah, the more the merrier, they bring the eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about becoming champion as well, and just being the champion that in just bringing more eyes to the product and fans are going to want to see you win the championship with that being said like what has changed between even now not even like two years ago but like six months ago because coming off the video packages that we saw on smackdown specifically i don't know if anyone can watch smackdown and say to themselves i don't want that guy to win the championship i don't know if that was the exact same situation four or five months ago obviously you weren't being booed at all but i feel like the vocal minority so to speak like the internet community if you can even call it that i feel like you've turned them in your favor with I mean, there's a variety of factors, but I just want to get your perspective on how you feel you've accomplished that. Uh, I mean, it's, there's been times, to be honest, where I'm like, I can't believe that people are still so strongly behind me. Uh, as a good guy in today's day and age, it's so hard 
um, to keep people's attention for more than a second and you know generally they'll quickly switch to someone else and they'll let you know well, they're not digging you right now it's time to do something different and I've felt like well I can't believe they're still behind me and even certain things that I didn't always agree with um, and did the best job I could if it was presented with me and um, you know the sword was probably featured more than the man a lot of times and I was of the mindset we probably should develop the character more develop the man behind the character it's all you the sword as much lately yeah like, like I love the sword I think it's a great visual and yeah like, for casual no people, I think that's smart people, though people like outside eyeballs I know some of the you know internet people, yeah yeah the likes don't love it and I agree there's no payoff I can't stab someone <laughs> I guess I want to I want to Hollywood enough yeah. be able to stab someone but you know realistically was that ever in the talks of you did you want not obviously stab someone but like were you ever going to do more than just stab the ropes or no like on your end, did you pitch no, anything no, that could turn no, down? I did. absolutely. I, I wanted to do like Saving Private Ryan style and get you know some actors with like missing limbs and uh, that would be sick. Hollywood it up and doing posts, but anyway, it was shot down very quickly. Oh, but, come on, by but I think that was like an issue for character development for a while. That the okay. sword took the like no front and center, yeah, yeah, and the kids love it. People on the outside tune in and go, My god, this giant Scotsman was so <laughs> this is awesome, and yeah. it's very theatrical for the entrance. I love it in that way, but I, I like now, and I think a big benefit um, as you mentioned um, is taking the sword out aside the entrance developing the man reminding them who I am and WWE do it better than anybody putting those packages together I just sat down I told my story they dressed it up with all the clips to show wow Drew's been on for a long time oh my goodness when he says he loved it his whole life look at him as a kid <laughs> look yeah, at him back yeah, yeah. at wrestling look at his first matches look at him with Stone Cold merch um, etc he's telling the truth and that's someone I can relate to like, like the giant Scotsman swinging the sword around like, people forget yeah. know, like, why am I connected to this guy what's his character like god there it is right there this is a guy who's always wanted he's worked for his whole life he never gives up you know he doesn't take crap from anybody yeah. that's who Drew is now we know the character he's not just sword man what is he beyond that yeah. I, like, I think I've explained it but it's been a while when people short term memories <laughs> yeah. oh, that's right now we know who Drew is awesome and we're going to be rooting for you come Saturday Clash of the Castle you Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and hopefully come out of your uh, native uh, United Kingdom as the new champion we're all looking forward to a drill oh, thank you I'm excited for it oh, I love like, kind of, like teaching geography as well at the time like you know people are like so you're from there like well Wales is a, a separate country yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm from Scotland which is a separate country it's very different but yeah Great Britain um, you know is all the countries together of Scotland England Northern Ireland Wales we're all Great Britain exactly so yes I'm from the UK the first time <laughs> yeah so everyone's learning geography right now so yes. you're welcome America <laughs> <laughs> fantastic thanks for I appreciate it man big thanks to Drew for the time as I mentioned earlier you can check out my exclusive feature on WWE's live events from earlier this month on Bleach Report and the video version of that very same interview with Drew from my YouTube channel youtube.com backslash uh, Wrestle Rant from earlier this month as well. Next week here on the show should be my chat with Riddle, back when he was still Riddle. I think he got his first name back of Matt Riddle um, that very same week on Raw, like two days later. So um, I do call him Riddle in that interview. Don't know how great the audio quality is, just prefacing that now, but that should be up here on Wrestle Rant Radio in audio form this coming week, or next Thursday rather, and then in video form, if not before then, then soon after. That being said, though, let's throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down what was a fairly quiet week in the world of wrestling. Uh, Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, no complaints. Like I said, a quiet week in the world of wrestling, but that's not a bad thing after the uh, the busy weeks we've had lately. 
Exactly, whether it be good or bad, and, you know, they say that uh, no publicity is bad publicity, whatever. That's not true. I'm glad we're not getting a week where we're having a media scrum that blows up, and I, I enjoy talking about this stuff with you, but, you know, in, in, a, in a good, normal week, I don't want that uh, controversy uh, clouding the world of wrestling, but we didn't have that this week, which is good. Um, all in all, I thought Dynamite was, was not a great show. There was some decent stuff on it, kind of a tame week for Dynamite. I thought Raw was a very good show on Monday as we head into Extreme Rules next weekend, Mr. Marceau. That's going to be a very big weekend for WWE. I mentioned Grand Slam week last week for AEW. Next weekend is massive, specifically here in the Northeast. Starting with SmackDown next Friday, it's the season premiere of SmackDown, headlined by Gunther and Sheamus 2, Intercontinental Championship in Worcester, Mass. Uh, Saturday, Extreme Rolls the following day in Philly. That's going to be a great show. And on Monday, the season premiere, as they're calling it, which is so dumb, of Raw, the 25-year anniversary of DX featuring the Bloodline as well. So it's going to be a pretty big weekend for WWE, and I'm pumped. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a crazy week coming up. But, uh, yeah, especially in the Northeast, it'll be a good time. I am shocked, Mr. Marceau, that we have not talked about this at all. I, I don't know how I missed this on the docket last week. The White Rabbit teases. I know we talked about it, and I texted you about it a couple days ago because I was curious on your take. I was curious if, when I asked you about the potential, the possibility of Bray Wyatt coming back, I don't know if you were going to say I'm excited or you didn't give a shit because Bray Wyatt was a loser the last time we saw him. I wouldn't blame you if you felt that way, but I think we shared the kind of the same sentiments that we're both excited for whatever these teases are leading to, and I thought the latest clues that we got on Monday's Raw and on the internet and stuff like that were very cool. This whole marketing campaign right now for a you know, a series of vignettes that have not been acknowledged a single time on TV have been very well done across all the shows, the house shows from what we've seen through videos. It's pretty fucking cool, and I don't think there is any doubt at this point. I know you brought up maybe Happy Corbin, which made me very much fearful, but I'm pretty confident at this point to say it. It will be Bray Wyatt, and like I said, I'm excited. No, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited, but like I always have in the back of my mind, like, what if it's someone that's so underwhelming? I know Triple H in charge now, so I feel like they wouldn't do that to us. But, I mean, there's always that I mean, there's, there's always that one chance it's not who you think it is. But I feel like the, all the signs are pointing to him. It would just kind of be a kick in the balls if it wasn't Bray Wyatt. But, no, I'm excited. I mean, like you said, last time we saw him, he was basically a glorified loser. Um, so hopefully he comes back more of like a, a Wyatt family-esque character and not like The Fiend because The Fiend was awful by that. <laughs> The thing is, is that The Fiend was such a cool, creative concept when they first started doing it three years ago, and to no fault of his own, and some of the hyper, the, the supernatural stuff, I understand, not exactly for everyone, and that's not for me either, but I thought the way he was doing it was fine. Didn't really mind that. It was really when he started losing whenever it mattered most was the problem. Whether you go to Hell in the Cell 2019, whether you go to you know Goldberg and Super Showdown 2020 right before COVID, or you fast forward to WrestleMania 37 when he lost to Randy Orton in the opening match on night two, which was awful as well. Um, they really did that character, and I have no desire to see The Fiend back, honestly. But whether it be Colt Bray or something entirely different, I'm looking forward to this return. We haven't seen him in WWE since... I think WrestleMania, I know he was on the next night's Raw in like Firefly Funhouse form saying, oh, when you see me again, it'll be something very different or whatever. And we never saw him again until hopefully coming up. Um, he got fired in July and we haven't seen him since anywhere. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Where do you think this is leading as far as like, there, there's a lot of theories. Oh, maybe it's a group. Is this leading to, again, like I said, a new character, a certain feud? Like, we always talk about, we say it, I, I need this on a t-shirt. It's all about the aftermath. So he comes back, 
And I guess before I get to my second part of what I'm going to ask you, when do you think it happens? When and where? I mean, selfishly, it'd be cool if it was at SmackDown when we're potentially there next Friday. It's looking like we're going to be there, obviously. It'd be cool if it was there. Extreme Rules is my pick. I can also maybe see it being Raw the following Monday because it's right after the pay-per-view. When and where do you see Bray Wyatt resurfacing on WWE TV? Or do they wait maybe until Halloween or later? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough one to speculate because you just don't know what direction they're going to go with him once he gets in there. I mean... With, Dave, with how much this is being played up, I feel like it has to be after a top guy. I mean, I feel like Roman's kind of busy right now, so I don't know if it totally makes sense. Honestly, it, not that this is the greatest idea of all time, but maybe you wait till Crown Jewel after he beats um, Logan Paul and you do something there. I mean, I think you can tease it out even longer than it is now because I feel like if you bring him back, it should be something big. Roman's the biggest thing right now. Anything else would kind of be pretty small. So, unless, I don't know. It's it's tough because, it's like, people are saying, like, oh, it's maybe it's a group. And, like, maybe it's something with, like, Killer, with uh, mm-hmm. Karrion Cross. So, like, maybe he helps him beat Drew or something like that. I, I just, I, I don't really, it's tough to speculate because you just really don't know the direction they're going in. I mean, if he's going to be involved with, like, Cross, I feel like, like you said, Extreme Rules would make sense. But if they're going to put him, like, at the top of the card right away, I, I would wait till like Crown Jewel. Yeah, that's a good question. As far as like if what they do, that was my the next part of my question for you. As far as what they do with him when he comes back, and that might dictate when he comes back. Um, you mentioned Roman Reigns. They do have history. Uh, it was Roman who it, R- Bray Wyatt is technically not a but the former Universal Champion. It was his reign that Roman ended back at Payback 2020, and um, he didn't pin Bray Wyatt though. He pinned Braun to win that championship. And they had that, like, quick... I don't think it was Roman. I think it was Bray and... Or it was Alexa in Roman, I think, um, that had that very brief stare-down on SmackDown soon after it happened, and it went nowhere. Bray went to Raw. There was no follow-up. It was never acknowledged again. Um, would you put him in a feud with Roman, though? Because he's not going to beat Roman, I don't think. I mean, people may say, oh, he should be the one to beat Roman. I, I don't think so. But um, I, I don't know. I, I agree with the cross thing. Maybe someone like a Drew... Who, I don't know if you want to put all the new people with Drew. That might not be smart. Braun's not busy right now. I don't know if you want to rekindle that. I mean, they didn't have the best feed the first time, but I know it's an option. Um, I don't know about Rollins. Anyone but Randy Orton. I know Randy Orton's not around right now, but those feuds were awful and the matches were no good. So anyone but Orton. Um, Rollins, I don't know if we, would be the best idea either. And he's already feuded with a lot of people, but I don't know, man. Is there? Do you think Roman or someone like that would be smart? Because I feel like regardless of who he targets, he has to beat whoever he feuds with next. Yeah, that's my point. So, if, like, if he's going after Roman, I mean, realistically, you'd have to win. You're not going to just bring him in just to be a loser again, unless you want to bring him in as a loser again. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say probably Cross is probably, like, doing something with him would probably make more sense. Like I said, if he's going after Roman, he has to win. So, I, I guess... I, I would say cross probably is the right direction, but I just, like I said, I think there's so many unknowns that, I mean, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different directions they can go, which is an exciting thing and also a worrying thing because it kind of makes you wonder, like, do they even know where they're going with this or do they have a plan set in stone and we just don't know about it? So uh, time will tell. I am looking forward to it. It makes the shows even more must-see and uh, forces you to tune in to see where things are going to go next, who might come back. Again, you can't do the returns every week. We got a return on Raw this week, and that was a welcome return. I don't think that's you know a game changer, but you know we'll get to that momentarily. You can't do the returns every week. We learned that from AEW. 
But if you can do stuff like this to kind of keep people compelled and engaged as far as where certain stories and certain stars are going next, I think that's a really smart tactic to make people watch your shows. And it's not just the same formulaic stuff we've been getting from Raw for a very long time now. But speaking of Raw, I thought Monday's show was a great one. Uh, good show in Canada this week. Five good to great matches, starting with the opener. Bianca Belair beating Io Sky. A rematch from Io Sky's in-ring debut on Raw a couple of months ago. Um, this was good stuff. Obviously, ideally, you don't want your tag team champions taking a clean loss, but, you know, Io wasn't beating Bianca, so I kind of figured that. Um, the damage control thing has been weird. I understand the criticisms. I mean, I really don't mind it myself. I, I like the group, but I can see people saying, oh, not that it's awful, but, you know, people not really feeling it. It's not working. I totally understand that. I mean, Dakota lost in, what, 30, 60 seconds to Raquel on SmackDown? I mean, not to say she should have won, but the fact she lost so quickly was stupid. Um, and then EO lost here and the tag team, uh, the tag team titles are <laughs> basically right where they were before they deactivated them three or four months ago. So it's like, I, I don't know what that means exactly, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Bianca and EO Sky? And even more than that, as far as damage control, is it working for you or is it not working or is it somewhere in the middle right now? Yeah, I would say it's probably, I would say it's more working than not working. It is somewhere in the middle though. Like you said, some of the decisions have been, like you said, I, didn't expect Dakota to beat Raquel, but how quickly she got beat, it's like, okay. But, I mean, I think it's fine. Like, Io, I knew Io wasn't going to beat Bianca, so it wasn't, like, a huge deal to me. Um, on SmackDown, they're clearly setting up, like, Raquel and Shotzi, it seems like, against her and uh, Dakota and Io. So, I don't hate that, but like I said, I, I just... They do this a lot. Like, a lot of people win, and then I like, just continuously lose. So, it's like, bailey has been the winner, but the other two just keep losing. It's like... I know they're like her lackeys, but if you put the belt on them, they shouldn't lose as much as they do. It's like, to me, it's like the same thing with the Usos. I feel like they lose all the time. I understand like they're technically Roman's lackeys, but they've also been tag team champions for like over a year at this point. So like, why are they losing as much as they are? Mm -hmm. And it's the same with the two girls in Damage Control besides Bailey. I feel like the only, not the only, but a big reason as to why they brought these belts back were to kind of lure Sasha Banks and Naomi back to WWE. Now, in a bit of an update on that, uh, Sasha Banks officially changing her Twitter, hand, uh, Twitter handle yesterday to Mercedes Renato, her real name. As I tweeted, I don't think this is a big deal at all. I mean, it's significant, sure, but I don't really think it means anything. Just because, oh, she changed their name doesn't mean she's done with WWE or she's moving on. Honestly, I feel like this is something that's probably been in the works for a while. You can't change your handle overnight if you have a check mark, so it's probably been in the works for a little while, I would assume. Um, I still expect her back. I'm not saying she's under contract right now. I would assume that she is. I don't know if we ever found out she officially got her release. There were rumblings of that, but I don't know if it was ever 100% officially confirmed. Um, I do think she'll be back, whether it be before Survivor Series, and she will be in the War Games match with Naomi, or she returns at the show in Boston. I feel like Triple H ain't done with this sort of stuff. I would be very surprised if they weren't back either before or at Survivor Series. Not to say they absolutely need those women. I think SmackDown needs Sasha and Naomi more than Raw does. Uh, Raw's, division, Raw's division is in far better shape than SmackDown's, but I, I don't think the Twitter handle changing thing really makes much of a difference either way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just a, a Twitter handle. It's not the end of the world. But like you said, I, I feel like, not that it's set in stone or anything, but I feel like the direction they're going with, especially to what the the Survivor Series match will be, I feel like her and Bianca, or her and her and Naomi will slide in with the baby faces, and then it'll be the damage control and Alexa Bliss versus them in war games. 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. We'll get to it later, but I'm thinking damage control. I mean, it depends if they do it 5-on-5 five five or 4-on-4. Four four. You know, um, NXT has done it differently. I think it has been 4-on-4 four four in recent years. I guess you could do 5-on-5. Five five. I think 4-on-4 four four makes sense. I think AEW has done 5-on-5. Five five. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, they've done 4-on-4. Four four. They did the 3-3-3 three, three, three back in 2017. I think 4-on-4 four four makes sense. Um, but yeah, Sasha and Naomi, probably versus Bianca and Becky. If you want to include 5-on-5, five five, you could throw Alexa in there as well, or um, Asuka in there, or you know Candice LeRae, who just came back and whatever. So we'll see, but the, the, the seeds are being planted for sure as far as what they're going to be doing on that show uh, with the Women's War Games match. Um, a rivalry renewed here between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Good match. I enjoyed this. Rollins winning after interference from Dominic Mysterio. Probably one of my biggest criticisms so far of the Triple H era of Raw, at least recently, and on SmackDown as well. A lot of... Not non-finishes. I'm, I, I'd prefer this over, um, you know, DQs and shit. So it, it, we're making progress compared to where we were previously with Raw. But they're doing a lot of, oh, interference and, you know, Rhea Ripley getting involved and Dominic and Finn and this person and that person. I know you want to protect certain people in defeat, but it's like when they do it every match on every show, it just gets to be old. I thought other than that, though, this was a good match and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Like you said, I feel like, if anything, they need to do with people that need protection. Like, Rey Mysterio is made at this point. If he loses to Seth Rollins, clean, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. They only get the judgment they involve. Theory is the person that needs to be fucking protected more. We are texting back and forth yesterday. I feel like they always have used the briefcase as, like, a reason. Like, oh, they have the briefcase, so they can just lose. But I, I don't like, like, the whole interference to help someone win, like you said, basically protecting them. But, like... If it makes a sense with a certain person, yeah, but like you can't protect everyone, like you said. And Rey Mysterio at this point, he's like a made man. He's a legend at this point. Like he loses all the time anyway. So like, why do you have to protect him in defeat? I don't know. I feel like for me, like all the interference stuff is like what's like spe- especially like me not interested at all in this whole Judgment Day Mysterio Edge whole feud thing. Like it's it's I'm over at this point. Yeah, no, we've been over it for a while, so that's totally understandable. But, like, with the theory thing, as you mentioned, we talked about it over text yesterday. He's someone that could use more protection, and not just protection, but, like, as far as just winning more matches. I think the last match he won was against Dolph the week before Johnny came back. And we'll get into that now. Johnny and Owens beating Alpha Academy. Another very good match that I enjoyed. Uh, Gargano and Owens working really as well as partners here. Um, Theory attempting to interfere. Backfired. Gargano won anyway. They're making Theory look like a complete dumbass on these shows and once or twice is fine but when it becomes a weekly occurrence and this man is holding your briefcase to potentially become your next world champion which i mean he, he could be the next world champion i wouldn't have him beat roman reigns i think that'd be silly but um still i just i don't know i just don't think it's very wise to have him losing every single week and you know you talked about it before this is not a new phenomenon they've been doing this for well over a decade now where they use it as a crutch and they think oh this person's going to become champion at some point anyway so it's okay if they lose in the meantime and then when they do cash in successfully people call them a bad champion because they're not over because they lost a lot before they cashed it in so i just feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point yeah it also just doesn't help that obviously he's facing like he was facing owens and now with the gargano like Owens basically repackaged the whole NXT Owens, so like he needs to be kind of refab, like a little get a little look and get wins, and then you bring Johnny back. Like he needs wins, Theory needs wins, but I mean, I just feel like he's at the short. Like you said, he has the briefcase, so it's like the short end of the stick. That oh, he's got the briefcase, he'll be fine, but he just constantly loses. It's like like you said, if he cashed it in any time recently, which obviously I hope not. Like 
no one would give two shits, and no, nor should they. But like, you just can't use it as a crutch. You need to book these people better. I understand they have the briefcase, and like you said, I think it's. I, I just don't even really understand the thinking because if you just lose all the time, it, it, you're just a loser at the end of the day. So, I just I think when they have someone that has the briefcase, they just seemingly don't know what to do with them. And then I feel like it always just revolves around the briefcase, and then they just lose. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, they have the briefcase, so it's like, oh, they're busy, in theory. Yeah. Not fun, non-intended. <laughs> and then they just don't do anything. Because, like, what are you going to do with them? Like, they bring Gargano back, okay, and then once that's done, what do you do next? Like, yeah. it's not like it has an actual feud. Like, I feel like they just, all these people that always have the briefcase, they are just pushed on the show just because they have the briefcase. There's nothing of, like, no, like, there's not, I couldn't tell you, like, a memorable feud that someone had the briefcase had, like, in an actual feud that actually meant anything. Yeah, no, not in the last couple of years. I would say, and not that they've never done that, but, like, with Theory, I, I appreciate that we're getting an actual feud with him and Gargano, but let's face it, who's coming out on the winning end of this? Probably Gargano, which is not the worst thing, because Gargano's back and whatever. Um, you know, they've done, like, this is going back a very long time, but, like, an example of that done right to me and you can disagree, but was when they had Edge win the first one, what was that, 17 years ago, and then he beat, you know, he beat, you know, you were watching back then, Benoit, he beat Hardy a bunch of times. Like, that was probably, maybe not the last time. Rollins was another one. Rollins didn't win all the time, but Rollins won his fair share amount of matches. Like, he beat Ambrose, like, three times when he had the fucking briefcase. It's like, wow. Like, this guy's being built up, and he he headlined pay-per-views. I couldn't see Theory headlining a pay-per-view to save his life. I mean, at this, at this current point, with the briefcase... Um, I know he's been in the main events and as far as, uh, you know, attempting to cash in and winning the the men's Money in the Bank ladder match a couple months ago. But, I don't know, Edge was an example of that. Edge was an example of that. I can't think of any other people in the last 15 years that have been built up with the briefcase. So, I don't know. I, I would like to see more of that, though. I completely agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of also as well, this was another question I had for you with Gargano and Theory. I tweeted this the other day. I don't think they do the ma- <coughs> excuse me. I don't think they do the match at Extreme Rules because, from what it looks like, we just said this earlier, but they announced this this morning. Um, Imperium and Brawling Brutes, Donnie Brooks six man, Donnie Brook rules six man tag team match. They're doing the title match on SmackDown, six man to the pay per view. Makes no sense, but listen, that first match was great. Hard to complain, whatever. Even though it's booking, doesn't make any sense. Um, so if you're doing a lot of Extreme Rules matches at Extreme Rules, what a concept! I know. You're probably not going to do Gargano in theory at Extreme Rules. Now, someone said maybe you could do a ladder match with a briefcase. Well, we're already getting a ladder match with Bailey and Bianca, and I don't think their first match should be a stipulation match anyway. Bianca and Bailey already have history. That that to me doesn't really matter. Edge and Finn, that's the first time ever match. They're doing it with a stip. What that you know, it doesn't really matter to me. The feud fits it. Um, if they do Gargano in theory, probably in my opinion, not next week on Raw because Gargano's facing Otis next week. Let's say in the season premiere of Raw, because you can't really drag this out for much further before you can do a match. Who do you have win? I'm thinking Theory wins to keep the feud going. Not like DQ, maybe he cheats to win whatever, but at least he wins. I don't think Gargano is damaged by any losses, because it's fucking Johnny Gargano. I know he's not established yet, but he's an underdog to the point where I think he can bounce back from that. It, it, he doesn't have to go undefeated for a year, is my point. Um, I think when they do the first match, ideally on that Raw in two weeks... Theory can win that to keep the feud alive and finally pick up some sort of a meaningful win. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he needs to win, like, needs to win. Like, I need air to breathe. Um, <laughs> so, 
it's just he needs to win. At the end of the day, if they do a three-match series, he should probably win the series as well. Like, you can give Gargano a win, but if you're pushing this guy as your future future star and a future champion, I mean, you got to do a little bit better than this. I mean, like I say, it's just, it is a weird situation because obviously they have history and it makes sense for him to face Gargano, but, I mean, you could, like you said, they, you can't just book someone and lose all the time. And no one will care because then they're just basically just a loser. Yeah, exactly. And they have way too many of that on this roster, specifically with Theory. So they need to do a better job of protecting the guy and giving him some more wins before he hopefully cashes in at some point. Not anytime soon, as we've said, but you know, maybe in the spring if they play their cards correctly. Dude, what are we doing with Omos? He had a match on Raw. He won another squash against two local athletes. They mentioned MVP mentioned Braun Strowman on commentary, so I fear that's where this is going. The brand split's non-existent, so who even cares at this point? Um, that might be the first feud for Braun. Like, I know he's taking on Alpha Academy right now, but like a real feud for Braun might be with Omos, and um, I that sounds like a total train wreck. I assume Braun wins, and that's the only reason why Omos is on TV, but I like your idea a lot more of putting Carmelo with MVP instead and calling up Carmelo in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean... I have literally zero interest to see Omos versus Braun Strowman. Sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> I like Braun a lot, but I mean, yeah, I don't think he can. Even, I don't think anyone can get a good match at Omos. Honestly, I will. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I was gonna say I will say Braun and Otis was a really good match on SmackDown last week, but Otis is you know not Omos though. Big difference. Yeah, no, like I thought that was a good match on SmackDown. I guess my problem with the match itself is like. Otis, I like. I think Otis is great in this role, but like, he'll lose. Like he looked like an idiot on Monday, and then he went like toe to toe with Strowman. If if anything, I feel like let Strowman look weak because yeah, it's true. Strowman like a bumbling idiot, and then in the ring he does nothing, and then they have him on SmackDown with Strowman, and he's like competitive with them. Yeah. So like, I mean, if they're gonna go in that direction with Otis, I'm fine with it. Like being the enforcer of Alpha Academy and actually being good, but. In that aspect, it just kind of felt weird because he was, like, literally giving Braun, like, he, like, brought Braun to the limit yeah. on SmackDown. It was a good match, but like I said, when you're, like, a low, low comedy big guy, I mean, I didn't expect him to go toe-to-toe with, with Strowman. But, yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Hayes with MVP. He doesn't even need MVP, honestly. His talking's no. good enough. But, I mean, always having a manager, right, when you get in the main roster isn't bad. You can help, like, like I said, have, like, the manager actually help him win, stuff like that, like a dirty ass heel so i like that aspect better than omos i mean i was hoping when you didn't even see him on raw for a little bit that he was done same with same with veer mahan but uh like you said unless they're just building up like having him on tv every week just to show his face and then braun just beats him and he's done i, I don't know i just with omos he's not good enough to like actually do anything with him so I, at this point like it's kind of proven so i would say like you build him up just to face braun to braun beat him yeah, exactly. Just have Braun beat him and then move on. Um, did you hear the news about Veer teaming with uh, Sanga again in NXT last week? Yeah, I, saw, I DM'd you that. Yeah. I oh, you him. did. You did. Yeah. I'm yeah, actually a fan of that. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I met them at uh, WrestleMania 36. <laughs> 35, or, yeah, 35. Yeah. Yeah, I met them at WrestleMania 35. Great guy. So no, I, I mean, I feel like Veer was clearly a Vince thing. Like once Triple H got in charge, I don't think we saw Veer at all. Maybe once and. He's fine, but just as himself, by himself, he's just, like, he just either needs a mouthpiece or, like, needs some direction. I don't know. The whole Mysterio thing was dumb, and I'd rather just put him in a tag team. Like, they have no tag teams as it is, so 
him and him and Song got. I, I'd rather see them together than Fear on his own. I I agree with that. I just think honestly, this is maybe this isn't just me because I've seen other people say the same thing. But I've seen him talk like just and not as just oh I'm the monster. Like he has that they have him talk like an idiot. Like he can actually talk. Like his English is very strong and he's very well spoken. Um, he used to play for the fucking Pirates many years ago as well. And um, he has a great story. I mean, they, they made that whole movie about him with Disney, and they haven't really acknowledged that at all. I mean, they call his finisher the Million Dollar Arm, and that's the name of the movie. But I just I was very surprised they never tapped into that. I, I honestly don't know why. Um, not to say he's going to be a future world champion or anything like that, but I honestly, I'm a Veer fan. I like the guy. He seems like a very cool guy. They just never really put him in the right role. They had him come in as the foreign heel a la Umaga in like 06, and that can only ever get you so far. We've seen it time and time again. So honestly, they need more tag teams. Sanga, I think is main roster ready. I think he's actually really good. Um, he's a very good talker and he's decent enough in the ring to where I'm honestly fine with them coming to the main roster on the sooner side. Um, and joining that Raw or SmackDown tag team division, so time will tell. Uh, we did have a return on Raw, as I mentioned, Candice LeRae returning to WWE after about a year hiatus. Uh, we last saw her on TV, I think about almost exactly a year ago on NXT, but she hasn't wrestled since last July, you know, due to getting pregnant. Um, but she had the kid earlier this year, and she's back now alongside Johnny on Raw, uh, making her first ever, I believe, first ever Monday Night Raw appearance, beating Nikki Ash in a very quick match, as it should have been. Uh, this should have been nothing but a squash. So good return for LeRae. Didn't get a monster reaction or anything. I wouldn't expect her to, but, you know, great to see her. I think she's a great addition to that roster, to that Raw Women's Division. And when Nikki Ash, she took the mask off afterward, please move the fuck on. That is all I can ask from this, please. I mean, I think this entire segment was a win because Candice is back, she wins, Nikki Ash loses, and the mask hopefully is off for good, and they're not dragging this out for another six more months like Tony Khan does with some of his shit. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a nice little, like you said, nice little pop for her, obviously. No no game changer. I'm not going to be a, a, an AEW mark and say everyone they bring in is a game changer. I think she's a good hand, though. She's good in the ring, and I think she's a good little baby face for the Raw division. Like I said, maybe have some involvement in in war games. I could honestly, I could see her being, like, set to be on the women's team, and then, like, her getting, like, the tits kicked out of her and then someone else fills in for her but yeah i think she's good and like you said the whole nikki ash stuff i i, I was kind of with it at one point i'm not overly against it i think i think it was better than the whole nikki cross stuff but seemingly she's moving away from that we haven't seen Dewdrop in a while either so we'll see what happens with both of them but no i thought it was a good little match nothing crazy but nothing horrible yeah i'm surprised that um with not surprised, but I would be surprised if Candice wasn't in it, honestly. I would expect her to be in War Games. I mean, she has more ex- War Games experience, I think, than anyone. Um, that's not true. Well, Rhea was in I'm, tr- I'm trying to think who was in the 2019 one, 2021, and 2021 one. I don't... Candice wasn't in last year's because she was pregnant, but she was in that first women's one in 2019. I think her team won... I think she's actually 2-0 in women's War Games, which is cool. I don't think Rhea's team won in 2020, but she was in two... Bianca was not in two, but yeah, Candice has experience, and Rhea's probably not going to be in women's war games, um, but still, I would put Candice in that match, and I, I, like I said, I think this spells, I, I said this on Twitter, but I think this spells the end of Alexa Bliss as a babyface, because I mean, not to say, oh, they're the exact same person, they're both blonde, they both fill the same role, but I mean, the happy-go-lucky underdog babyface, to me, it's the exact same thing, so honestly, why don't you just turn... I, I would. I was thinking they were already going in that direction anyway. I feel like this just speeds up that process of turning Alexa Bliss heel. Yeah, I think Alexa's going heel. I guess that was kind of 
where my next play is going to go. I feel like you could do it. So, like, if you're going 4v4, it would be Bianca, Candice, Asuka, and Alexa. And then you can do damage control, and they get, like, a surprise member. And then you have Alexa turn on Candice. She's part of damage control. And then there's two spots for Bianca and Asuka's team. And then you have Sasha and Naomi fill in. Boom. So, was that 4 on 4 or 5 on 5? It was 4-on-4, four four, but then you have, like, Alexa turn on Candice LeRae and she can't compete, so then it's just Bianca and Oscar. Ah, okay, so... points damage control, and that's her heel turn. Ah, so kind of a little like the 2019 one when uh, Dakota Kai went heel on Team Babyface or whatever, and she turned on Tegan, and Tegan couldn't compete. Correct. All right, that's so... I, I like that idea. That's good. It, it incorporates everyone, and, you know, okay, it checks a lot of boxes. I like that idea. So. Back to the I think, like you said, the time with Alexa being a babyface, they're basically the same character. Like you said, the good, like the lucky go babyface. Like mm. she needs heel now. Yeah, no, they need to turn her heel. That's just the role she's better in, and she ain't doing anything as a babyface anyway. I think it has potential, but they just haven't done shit with her, and she just hasn't been interesting. So, um, I would do that. Sami Zayn beating AJ Styles. Um, this I thought was a really good match. You had interference from Solo again. Not exactly ideal, but it made sense here. Sami Zayn's kind of a goof character, and. Solo winning actually, or helping him win made sense and further that story. Maybe we get AJ and Solo out of this. Um, I thought this was a really good match, but honestly, I think this might be a bigger indicator of what might be to come. Now, you probably saw over the weekend, Roman Reigns faced AJ Styles at the weekend's house shows, at the live events. So, I don't know. That tells me that they might be headed in a Roman AJ direction. Not anytime soon, obviously. Um, Logan Paul is working with Roman at Crown Jewel in November. Maybe, honestly, dude, you know, thinking about it now, what about day one? Day one is a possibility. That's going to be in, uh, obviously, you know, January 1st again, but that's going to be in Atlanta. I saw some people saying, oh, what if Cody's back by then, which I doubt. Um, even if he was, that'd be fucking dumb. I would save that for Mania. AJ and Roman in Atlanta sounds like a really fucking great match. And maybe you can run it back at the Rumble if you wanted to, but that might be where this is going. I know we're several months out from that, but that could be planting the seeds for a match between Roman and AJ at some point in the not-too-distant future? Because it's a match we haven't seen since you and I were at Extreme Rules six years ago. No, yeah, I like that. Like you said, I feel like AJ, if anything, he's pretty directionless now, so if they're kind of setting up setting up the uh, steps to get to that feud, I, I like that. It's a perfect, like you said, day one feud, or or even Royal Rumble, they could run it back Royal Rumble if they needed to. So I like if AJ's great, just kind of been in limbo lately and like i said i think sammy and solo like you have the usos and they're great you have roman and wise man that's great and then now sammy and solo i just love their dynamic i think the whole bloodline as a whole's been firing all cylinders but now they get like the sammy solo dynamic i think it's even better oh it's great they work wonderfully together and i would love for aj thinking about it now to be on whatever team that opposes Bloodline and War Games, and, you know, maybe AJ gets the pin by beating Sammy. Sammy Zayn won here, so maybe he pins, hopefully if Sammy's still a part of the group by then, which he absolutely should be, it'd be dumb to break him up before then, um, AJ can pin Sammy, get that win back, and by him picking up the win for his team, that earns him an opportunity at Roman's Championship at day one. I mean, just it makes, I just booked it right there. To me, it makes perfect sense. But I say that, that's ideally. I feel like, Instead, we're going to get AJ in some sort of some sort of mishmash team of him, Edge likely, Ray, and someone else against Judgment Day at uh, Survivor Series, and I honestly have very little desire to see that at all. 
Inside War Games, yeah, that is. I was going to say, I was just going to ask you, I was like, with the whole, like, them keep asking to join Judgment Day, like, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I'm just so out on the group as a whole, so. Just end it. <laughs> I just really don't want to see it, so <laughs> it was up to me, I'd skip that. Yeah, maybe you could do a six-man at, um, maybe Crown, I mean, honestly, I would end the Edge feud with Judgment Day after Extreme Rolls anyway, but if Finn wins, you, you know it's probably going to continue. Maybe you could do the six men on Raw. I, I don't know. I just want this to be over as quickly as possible. But do you um, think there's any chance that AJ actually joins Judgment Day? No, nah, I don't think so. They already have. They already had Dominic join. So I feel like them having four members and then Rio that would be five. And I don't think so. I think we're getting to a Finn AJ match, which I think is going to be great because we haven't seen that in five years, almost exactly. So um, I'm cool with that. I think that's going to be awesome. I think I think what they did on Raw was great because like AJ lost. Due to the odds being, you know, not being able to overcome the odds, the numbers game he lost to that. So they're telling the story. Oh, he kind of needs Judgment Day. You know, I, I like that. he's not going to join Judgment Day. I don't think he should, but I, I like the story they're telling there. Although the group sucks, um, I will tell you though, it would be cool for like a one-off pop, just because it would be cool to see, you, you, people like returns. But for a full-on run, I'm telling you right now, not to say this is likely. I really don't give a shit about the club getting back together. Not because I don't like the club, but Gallows and Anderson at this point are just abysmal as a tag team. I have, I know you are out on that as well. Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> over the club. I actually like them in WWE, but once they went to like AEW and Impact, like I'm so. I mean, even at the end of WWE, WWE they kind of meant nothing. Like that, but no, thank you. I, I agree, and they actually had a decent run in Impact, but the AEW stuff was terrible, never had any proper payoff, and uh, I haven't seen much of their stuff in New Japan lately, but I have, I have yet to see like a truly great match of theirs lately. They had a pretty good match about a week ago on Impact with, um, I think it was the Machine Guns, they had a good match, but I mean, that's the fucking Machine Guns, no surprise there. I, I don't know, even towards their time, towards the end of their time in WWE, they won that awful best in the world tag team tournament at Crown Jewel, which was awful. They were booked like lackeys in the club. The group was never really a threat. Um, they were just fucking bums. I feel like a- after the whole old day thing, <laughs> that was when they peaked. After that, that was awful. With the new day six years ago, they never recovered from that shit. Yeah, at this point, to quote the great Brian Lash or the Grown Brothers, the <laughs> Every time I see them, I'm like, oh my god, them again. Would they? Would you say they are the definition of damaged goods? Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. And this is this is coming from someone who was a club fan at one point, and you probably turned that club shirt that you had into a blanket by now, right? I didn't have a club shirt. Molly does. Oh, really? I thought you had one. No, I don't. I don't have a club shirt. Molly does. Wow. Okay. I thought you were turning your back on the club, but I guess not, because you never had a shirt to begin with. Very interesting. Uh, we get to the main event: Matt Riddle versus Damian Priest. First time ever on the main roster. Again, I thought this was a really good match. More interference from Judgment Day, predictable. But I thought it was a good quality match. Riddle wins with an inside cradle. He should be winning before Fight Pit at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. I wish they did more to kind of explain to people. You know, you and I know, some of the people watching know. A lot of the people I'm guessing right now watching Raw have no fucking clue what a fucking Fight Pit is. They should probably show a video of it. I mean, I know Riddle lost the first one, but, you know, show some clips of him doing shit. I don't know, maybe the second one with Ciampa and Thatcher. Ciampa's not gone. Thatcher doesn't work there anymore, but I know Ciampa works there. So, I mean, I mean, he's on Raw, so... I don't know, I wish they would explain exactly what it is. Because it's not like, oh, it's a mystery stipulation. No one really knows what we're going to do with it. Like, the House of Horrors match. Like, no, we know what this is. So, th- that to me is a little silly. But um, I thought Riddle and Priest was a good main event, and I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Like I said, Riddle should be winning, so winning there was perfect. 
They probably should explain what the fight pit is. Like I said, no, most people have no idea what it is. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those AEW things where I feel like the niche... Well, the difference with AEW is that a lot of their audience is a niche audience, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where you should probably explain why this person is here, who they are, what they're doing. And I thought, you know, we talked about it over Instagram or text or whatever. I thought they did a decent job of that personally with the Bandito and Juice Robinson stuff last night on Dynamite, which we'll get to momentarily. I wish they would do more of that in WWE. They do it sometimes. They don't They don't never do it, but I, w- I would like to see it with the fight pit before... Uh, the pay-per-view. Um, after that match, though, Edge coming back. No one makes more returns than Edge. He returns in Canada, gets a great pop, and challenges Finn Balor at Extreme Rules. First time ever, uh, one-on-one, to an I Quit match at the pay-per-view. So, you know, I think we both know our thoughts on the I Quit matches. Not exactly my cup of tea. They're very hit or miss. Um, I am looking forward to the match. I'm glad he's on the show. Hopefully this is it for the feud. I don't know if it will be. I don't know how Edge quits and how you... The thing with the babyfaces rarely ever quit. I feel like these I quit matches are almost won by a babyface every fucking time, unless the heel cheats, like Rock or whoever, uh, 20 years ago. So I don't really know how you explain that, but Edge will probably win whenever it matters most, again. Um, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to this, and I think it's going to be another quality addition to what is looking like a stack card on paper for Extreme Rules. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Edge has come back so many times recently, I can't even keep track of him, but... I'm not a big fan of the I Quit match. I don't think a lot of people are. It's just a very boring match. and The ref just shoves the mic in the person's face like, you quit, you quit. And just, <laughs> like you said, only baby faces win normally unless the heel, the heel cheats. So I think Edge wins the air. Judgment Day lose again when it matters most, and we move on. Let's look at that right now. I'm going to Google it right now and see um, history of I Quit matches in WWE. Let's see. I know other companies have done it, but WWE specifically. Alright, looking at the list right now, I'll go off of recent... We actually just got one a couple of months ago. I completely forgot about that. Holy shit. But John Cena's probably like 30 and 0 and fucking... <laughs> he's never won. He's never lost a single one. Uh, no surprise there, but... um. Undertaker beat JBL that time. He did, yeah. Um, Did he? I thought he did. Like, I'm pretty sure he said, like, oh, uh, maybe... Did he? I thought he did. Jeff Hardy beat Matt Hardy. I was there. Yes, yes. Well, you were there for actually two. They did another one in that same arena that we were there for with Charlotte and Ronda four months ago. Awful. That was fine. I thought that match was fine. Um, I'm trying. I'm looking at that. Roman beat Jay a couple of years ago at Hell in the Cell, so it's not like a heel never wins. So he did. Yeah, beat... but he didn't quit either. Like Jimmy threw the fucking towel on. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, Kaylee Ray beat Tony Storm in NXT UK. I don't know if she quit or if, again, it was a towel thing. They had a couple on 205 Live. The Baby Faces both won those. Um, John Cena beat Rusev. Del Rio beat Swagger when Del Rio is still a baby face. Cena beat Miz. Cena beat Batista. Cena beat Randy Orton. He beat JBL. Uh, you mentioned Hardy and Hardy. Big Show beat Ryan. That's uh, on SmackDown. Uh, Beth Phoenix was a heel and she beat Melina. So, again, wh- what my point is is that nine times out of ten, the babyface wins, because that's just the story. So I feel like that kind of spells the ending. That kind of tells you what the ending's going to be. But whatever. I think it's a good addition to that card, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, as far as Dynamite last night, Mr. Marceau, I, I did not think this was a great show. I'm pretty... I, I, I'm obviously more favorable as, as as far as these shows go, more often than not, because I think the shows are good. I didn't think this was an awful show, but it was definitely one of their weaker installments. And I'm not really sure how much of this you can blame on... You know, the roster not being there due to the hurricane. I know Tony said, oh, if you're worried about traveling, then don't come. I, I, that's commendable, but 
I don't know, just looking at what they did on the show, I honestly thought, I never thought I would say this, Jericho was one of the better parts of the show, because I really enjoyed Jericho and Bandito for the Ring of Honor World title in the main event. Uh, Tony Storm and Serena Deeb had a good match, but the Lumberjack match was abrupt and random and unnecessary. The Soraya promo was not good at all. That was unfortunately the worst part of the show. Uh, Moxley and Juice had a fine match, and the MJF promo was good to the Utah setting up stuff for next week. Really felt like a filler show coming off of last week's extremely newsworthy Grand Slam edition. Yeah, I would say it was probably, like you said, I'm not sure how much talent not getting there due to the hurricane had on the show. Like, there were a few people that I was thinking of just off the top of the head that weren't there, but wasn't really sure if they were going to be there anyways. But, I, like you said, I thought it was one of their weaker shows. I mean, it, it was... I thought the and the, and the Ingram stuff was just kind of there. The promos, were, some of them were good. Some of them were just kind of there as well. So that was a mixed bag show, but I would say in the last couple episodes, it's probably one of their weaker shows. Yeah, I would say so. I don't know. Just looking at it now, um, you know, it, it was fine. You had Danielson against Matt Mernard. That was clearly a time killer, time filler match. What are your thoughts on the whole? I know we talked about it briefly before we went live here, and we were listing out the former Ring of Honor World Champions that Jericho could face. I like the idea, I honestly really do like the idea of Jericho being the champion and kind of diminishing the legacy of the Ring of Honor brand. That's coming from me, though, a Ring of Honor fan. Coming from someone like you and a majority of the audience who was probably not watching Ring of Honor previously, doesn't give a fuck about that title's legacy or the brand's legacy or whatever... What are your thoughts on this whole storyline with Jericho? Because as I told you earlier, I think it's cool, but I think it's hard for a lot of people to care because if there's no show for this title to be defended on, there's no real brand, there's just three letters right now, how can anyone really give a shit? I feel like this is a Tony Khan wet dream, but without a Ring of Honor you know, platform right now, no one really cares. There's no, Oh, I'm going to change everything about Ring of Honor. What What is Ring of Honor? There's no show. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like you're going to change the look of the show. There is no show, so I don't really get it. Yeah, unless he's changing the way that Rampage looks, because it's basically what Ring of Honor is now, so... <laughs> yeah. He's had commentary for that anyway. Yeah, I just... I really don't get it. I don't care. Like you said, if there's nothing ever going to come out of it, then why should people care? I don't know, it's weird. Like you said, it's not like there's a show that he's actually defending because there's no show. It's All the Ring of Honor stuff's mostly on Rampage, so... I, I guess they're going to really turn Rampage into basically like ROH, I, I guess, but... I just, I just don't care. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way. They're not going to turn Rampage in a Ring of Honor because that's not what TNT's paying for. I mean, if I was TNT, I'd be fucking pissed. I know they're under the same network umbrella, but it's like, Dynamite gets all the good shit, as they should. It's the flagship show. But Rampage, it's not even close to being even, dude. I mean, a lot of these shows are complete and total filler. They're just not exciting at all. And Friday's show coming up is no exception. It's like, oh, okay, we, a couple people couldn't show up due to the hurricane. Dude. They have a million people on that roster, and a lot of talented people at that. Come on, that that's no excuse in this case. They really could have put together a stronger show last night and on Friday for Rampage. I think it's nice that they let people stay home. I'm not saying they should have had them come in. That would have been, you know, cruel, but, you know. It's one of those things like, oh, when Punk and Omega are out, they could just push all these other people, which they have, and the shows have been better lately. But I think this week was a real down week and I, I I mean I assume you're probably the opposing viewpoint but I don't think that the whole end game of having Garcia beat Jericho is bad I, I think that's actually a good idea if it gets Garcia more over then I'm in favor of it have you changed your mind on that at all or are you still not care because you don't give a shit about Garcia I just don't care about Garcia honestly <laughs> I just he does nothing for me just don't care so the storyline <laughs> so I guess every aspect of this feud doesn't mean anything to you 
Correct. So who did who, I mean? Does Jericho beat Danielson again? Come the Ring of Honor title match in two weeks because they advertised that for the Canada show. I hope not for for Brian's sake. I hope not, but I mean, I don't think Brian's become a Ring of Honor champion immediately. So yeah, yeah I don't know. I just the whole Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. Just don't. I just have been so far out on it. To me, it's like the Judgment Day stuff. I just don't care. I want less. Like less is more for me. Like. I feel like they're both the factions specifically are all over the shows that they're on, and I just don't care. Yeah, no, there's just it's just way too much of it, and uh, you know, I, I thought this week was a good week for them personally. I, I thought uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the JAS stuff at all. I thought a majority of their shit they've done this year has been bad. It's just at least at least not for me. It's not my cup of tea. But I thought this week they were fine. Um, like I said earlier, I thought Jericho and Bandito had a great main event, but unfortunately, the worst part of the show, what people are looking forward to more than most things on the show. Uh, Soraya's promo. Soraya speaks to former Paige. Didn't say anything of note, though. Uh, didn't explain whether she was cleared, not cleared, will get cleared, plans to wrestle, plans to commentate, plans to just sit in catering. She didn't say anything, really. Uh, she was nervous. I will give her that. The promos will hopefully improve. She wasn't a bad promo in, in WWE. It's been a long time. Um, this is why I think the pros and cons of having, no pun intended, of having scripted promos, or at least bullet points for what you're going to say would help. If she had bullet points here, I'd be shocked. Because this promo was all over the place. She said nothing of note. It kind of felt like the start, she was speaking from the heart, and I liked that. It's like, okay, it feels genuine, it feels organic. But like when it got to Baker coming out, and they were going back and forth, she was like, oh, your name rhymes with shit. It's like, okay, that was... First of all, they blur, they bleeped it out now, which they probably should because they do way too much of it. And it wasn't even a good line anyway. That was stupid. Um, the whole shot of the former employer thing, everyone does it nowadays. You come in, you sign to the AEW, take a shot at WWE. It's I think it's part of the contract now that you have to sign in order to come to AEW. But this whole thing sucked, dude. This was really not good at all. I hope Soraya can improve as far as the promos go because this was... Any momentum she had last week, any positive buzz went right out the window with this promo. Yeah, like you said, I, I obviously I think she was really nervous, which I don't blame her. But I mean, it's like you know, this, you know what this felt like for me. It's like when you go to a wedding, and the groomsman or the bridesmaid or whoever maid of honor they get up, and they probably should have a piece of paper in front of them. Yep. Like you said, you know, a few little bullet points just in case. I, I don't think she had any of that. I think this was just it started off fine. And I just feel like once the tr- once the train got off the tracks, she just it just like you said the whole Britt Baker thing was dumb. Like your name rhymes with shit. Like what? Like what? What the hell is that? <laughs> and like the, she was like trying like I don't know even try to say pander the crowd, but like trying to get the crowd to chant shit. Like no one cares. And they bleeped it out anyways, which is just shouldn't be saying shit on TV anyways. But so you can say prick on TV, but you can't say shit now because MJ- MJF called Tony Schiavone a fat prick. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, like you said, I feel like once we got away from, like like you said, the genuine things that it felt like she was saying, it was just kind of just dumb bullshit that, like you said, she probably should have had note cards or something, bullet points, something that, like, hit. Because at that point, she just ran off the rails. And like you said, we still don't know. Is she cleared? Is she not? She didn't get physical. She said she was making the division better. She, her employer listens to her, even though the WWE kept her in, under contract for, like, seven years after she got hurt and all the fucking backlash she got and all the dumbness that she ran into out of the ring so I feel like that was just like a, a stupid line and I'm glad that people pointed out like I didn't really see anyone back and everyone's like why would you say that when they basically had your back the whole time but I just 
I don't know. The promo didn't didn't really give us any clarity on her situation at all. Like, it wasn't like she said she was clear. Or she wasn't clear. She just said it was her house. She was gonna make the division. Basically, it sounded like she was like the general manager or like the women's advocate. Or she's like, this division's gonna get better. Me and Tony are gonna make a lumberjack match. Like, who, why? Like. <laughs> That came out of nowhere. I like that she was like, it's going to be a lumberjack match, by the way. And everyone's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, for the title. And they're like, oh, yeah, we already kind of knew that. And we don't really care anyway. They, they were on their hands for that match. I, I hate to say it, and it was a really well-wrestled match. Dee, they really haven't put much effort into in the last month or two of getting She wasn't even on the show before two weeks ago. I mean, come on, man. This is what I'm talking about, the women's division. And uh, she took that shot again at WWE on commentary. She she thought she thought enough of it where she thought it would be funny to say it twice. She said it on commentary too. I'm like, what are you fucking doing? Like it's uh, just I didn't, nuts. I didn't listen to the commentary sign here. Which it is, uh, it was it wasn't good. I mean, not to say she was the best promo of all time, but she's a better talker than what we got last night. I'm really hoping it was just nerves for week one, week two, and then we can move on. But. You know, Britt Baker, I, that, the only good line from the entire thing was when Baker said, oh, your neck can't even hold, you know, mine can at least carry the company or you can't even hold your career or whatever it was. I thought that was a good line. Everything yeah, that was, was a good line. Yeah, I mean, that was good. But, but he didn't, like, at that point, like, I don't even think the crowd, were, the crowd barely oohed and odd because at that point it was so far off the rails. It was like, okay. Yeah, no, they do a lot of this shot, shock jockeying in AEW and MGF's the king of it, but when everyone else does it, it's just kind of dumb it's just the cheap pop kind of thing it's like i feel like they were coming up with shit off the top of their head because like that shit with brit thing was re- was really really dumb and the way really they, bad was really like, bad and the way they really bleeped bad. it the way they believed it wasn't even good either because it like you can hear the crowd but not her and it wasn't like you hear a beep like it was just i don't know it was really stupid the way they beeped it was they, they blurted out was stupid and yeah, um there's a promo like i said i feel like the way that she told the promo basically taught like i'm assuming she's just gonna be like a women like is she running the women like did they take twinkle toes's control away from the women's division and <laughs> she's gonna be the women like the book the women's division now like she gonna be the advocate like i said she didn't say anything like she didn't say she was she was cleared or not but she's like it's my house and i'm gonna like change this like i'm part of the revolution again like so we had to hit that dumb line and yeah it's my house like we get it and now that I talked to Tony, we're going to do a lumberjack match that no one wanted anyways, and they sat on their hands for So, I, from what I got out of it, that she's basically going to be like book the women's division or be an advocate or, or something. I, I, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, I know she probably will wrestle. I mean, for the amount of money she's probably getting paid to be there. Um, I think Fightful mentioned this yesterday. She probably The implication is that she will wrestle. At some point. Is that soon? Is she getting cleared now? Will she be cleared in six months, in a year? I honestly don't really know. I don't think anyone really knows. But my, my point is, this promo was all about... Your first promo in any company should be announcing your intentions to do whatever, explaining why you're here, blah, 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 blah. One of the cringiest parts of the promo was not her going off the cuff kind of and the dumb remarks and the bad jokes. To me, the worst part of the promo was when she was like, I am the revolution. How much can you revolutionize, really, from the outside looking in? Not wrestling. What, are you going to revolutionize, as, like you said, the GM as a commentator, as the as, as a manager? I mean, what are you really going to do? And the way they did her debut was, okay, she's a big star. She's going to she's gonna wrestle. We, we went on about this for like 20 minutes last week. And if you're not going to have her wrestle anytime soon, then they should have said that. 
You know, remember when like when Joe came back a couple what was it last year? I think he came back to NXT, and they were like, "Oh, he's the um, what was it, the assistant to William Regal or something." We didn't know if he was cleared either. And he also said, "I I think he said in an interview, I want to or something." And maybe we'll find out from Paige soon that she will. I don't know. But they made it pretty clear. Oh, he can't get physical when he's the assistant GM. Okay, that makes sense. At least they announced why he was back and what he was doing and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do that here. She just talked about nothing for 10 minutes and the crowd was kind of like awkwardly like, all right, what are we doing here? And the promo was awful and the subsequent match was no one really cared. And I don't know, man. I just, I we've, we've gone over this before, but I, I want to hear less of like, oh, we're the game changers. We're the revolutionaries of this division. I want to see actual change in the division as opposed to people talking about it. I feel like the more you talk about it, the less is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I, I didn't really, I just, the promo sucked. Like, the pro, I can't even get over how bad the promo was, but like I said, if unless they're paying her a lot of money, like I said, to book the women's division or be an advocate or something, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of, because like you said, it, I mean, maybe eventually she'll wrestle, but the whole, this is my house revolution stuff, it's just, it, and the actions speak louder than words. They keep saying it. Every one time someone comes in, oh, this person's a game changer. They're going to change the division. And it never changes. So No. We'll see. Last night wasn't a good first step. I know that. So we'll see. I mean, I just, I don't know. We'll see. I guess I guess I, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's really it. I'm not going to say, oh, they screwed the pooch. It's ruined. She's, you know, she's done for in this division. It's, it's one night. I'm just saying it just wasn't a good debut, as you just did, or a good first I guess second week is her first week was her debut, but uh, yeah, not good. Unfortunately, it was the worst part of the show, uh, which was a bummer because it was what I was looking forward to most coming into the show, but uh, not a great week for Dynamite, but hopefully next week. we got a very busy week next week, Mr. Marceau, as far as what to talk about and what we have coming up. So next Wednesday is the anniversary edition of Dynamite, celebrating three years of Dynamite, which I think premiered on October 2nd, I want to say, so almost exactly three years. Uh, they're going to be doing that on Wednesday, and that's going to be headlined by, I think, Jericho and Guevara versus Danielson and Garcia, which they teased in the opening segment of Dynamite, but they never actually confirmed if they were doing it. So that was a little weird. Oh, it's it's announced. Unless I missed the segment or something backstage where they actually like set it up, but I thought that was a little weird. But um, yeah, we're getting that next week on the anniversary edition of Dynamite. Um, next Friday is the, as I mentioned, quote-unquote, season premiere of SmackDown, headlined by Gunther Sheamus 2 for the Intercontinental Championship in Worcester. We're very likely going to be there, so I'm looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we'll preview that next week here on the show. Extreme Rules on Saturday, which is looking to be a great show. And on Monday, the season premiere, quote-unquote, of Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn, celebrating 25 years of D-Generation X. So uh, come next Thursday, Mr. Marceau, we'll very likely, as always, we'll talk Raw, and we'll talk, um, you know, Raw, I don't know what's advertised for next week, I don't remember, but... Um, you know, we will talk about that, but we'll talk about Dynamite. We'll review that special show and uh, preview Extreme Rolls and everything else in between. And hopefully we can preview what is uh, set to be a very fun time at SmackDown in Worcester next Friday, which is shaping up to be, I say shaping up to be a good show. I mean, Gunther, I, I, I DM'd you as soon as I saw that announced. I said I wasn't leaning towards going there originally. I mean, you're going regardless, but that was what kind of pushed me towards going to that show just because of that match alone. So I, I think that's going to be a great time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. I think it's, like I said, season premiere. I feel like they'll pull out some big stops, so yeah, I'm maybe, maybe Legato shows up, eh? I just sit on my hands. God, kid, come on! Santos Escobar, it's uh, King Cuerno from Lucha Underground. <laughs> I'd go nuts for King Cuerno. <laughs> That'd be great. It was, that, 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 that's Prince Puma! Puts the mask back on. I would love to see that. 
do it. That'd be great. I mean, Lucha's on in, in the ground anyway, so I don't know about the whole copyright issue. But nonetheless, Mr. Marceau, great time as always. Have a great rest of the week, brother, and I'll catch your ass next week. I'll talk to you.